can't stand, but I keep it real. No money in my pocket, fuck a deal. I got all the shit they wanna steal. I don't ever trip, I keep it real. I keep it real, I keep it real. No money in my pocket, fuck a deal. I got all the shit they wanna steal. I don't ever trip, I keep it real. I keep it, I keep it, yeah. Hey guys, welcome back to Block Channel. We're back for episode 51. We're here at the start of a new season. And kind of the general theme of this season uh, is probably going to be in relation to like, you know, uh, censorship and freedom uh, and things that come in relation to kind of like the freedom of like, information uh, as we sort of move into a very like interesting time uh, with this, this, the entirety of this season, we focus on folks that are looking to um, kind of remove some of the uh, false signal um, through all the noise that, you know, kind of inundates us like on a day to day basis and, and kind of like help us improve the ways that we can communicate on a day to day basis and, you know, seek to find truth uh, and all this different information that we're bombarded with nowadays. So that being said, uh, that can be done in multiple different ways. So we've been trying for a while to get uh, Preeti uh, from True Story onto our show and we, she, we were finally able to grab some time from her today. Um, so we're going to uh, go back to her in just a moment. Um, but of course, we're jo joining in this season by Demetric Ferguson, uh, my other uh, really awesome co-host too, Dr. Petty, who's back again um, to join us to, to you know help fill minds and educate others once more. And glad to be back again, uh, especially right here getting into the holiday season because I got like a lot more free time and it's been a really busy summer in this bear market. Um, let me tell you what. So, um, uh, Dimitric, uh, Petty, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourselves for the 51st time? No, <laughs> not a problem. Hello, everyone, again. It's D, Dimitric, coming at you, co-founder of the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Lovely to join you on Block Channel again, Stephen. And I'm Dr. Corey Petty. I am also a co-founder of the Bitcoin Podcast Network. I also run the Hashing It Out podcast and, and the security lead at Status Network. And yep. Block Channel is always getting good guests to come on. And I love talking to people who come on the show. Thanks. Hey. And, of, and of course, like I said, um, we're joined uh, with this 51st episode with uh, Miss Preeti Casaretti. Uh, did I pronounce your last name correct, Preeti? Yes, you did. Preeti Casaretti. Okay, oh, good. Thanks. Perfect. So, um, so like I was saying, like, we, we just want you to go ahead and just give us an introduction to yourself your background of just sort of how you fell into the crypto space and sort of how like quickly, like kind of how you got to where you are now, um, be as detailed or as succinct as you'd like to be. Sure. Um, I kind of have a very uh, whirlwind of a background. I grew up all around the world when I was younger. I was born in America, but I lived in India for four years because my mom shipped me off there when I was four. And she wanted to become a doctor. That was her dream. And so she wanted to go to med school. So we were, she shipped me and my sister off to India. And we would live there for four years with random aunts and uncles. And um, really, that, that really defined who I am today because I had to basically grow my, raise myself from four to eight and didn't ever really talk to my parents or see my parents for four years and, um, and was just raising my little sister uh, as well. And um, because of that, like I became an adult much sooner than I, I probably 
like than most people. And mm -hmm. then I came back to America when I was eight and moved out, moved around. And we were living in Chicago, then Upper Jersey, uh, Southern Jersey. Um, went to school in South Jersey, and then uh, I always had my eye on California. I just felt like New Jersey was not where I wanted to be. Um, I felt like my personality and my ethos really suited was better suited in California, even though I've never been and I never. Uh, I only heard about it through like through through things I read, but I just like I just had this dream that I wanted to go to California. So I applied to schools here. Um, got into a few and ended up choosing USC because I just fell in love with LA and the campus and it was like beautiful. Um, despite the fact that I was paying for my own college and it was like the most expensive college to go to, I, I was like stubborn at the time and I was like, oh, that's it, I'm just going to this college. So I moved out here and then um, went to USC. I studied engineering, industrial engineering, industrial and systems engineering at USC and really enjoyed it. Uh, but uh, but I actually like, got <laughs> recruited out of engineering as a junior because I had met someone at Goldman Sachs and he really liked me and he encouraged me to interview for them. So I did, um, long story short, a few months later, many interviews later, I got the job at Goldman. So I interned there and then they gave me the full-time offer and that was my first foray into like the finance world. So I actually started in the finance world in, in like very traditional finance. I was an investment mm -hmm. banker. Um, it doesn't get more traditional than that. And then pretty quickly realized I hated banking. Um, I just, I, I'm an engineer at heart. And I was like, you know, enge engineering and banking couldn't be opposites. Engineering, you're, you're like using formulas to solve problems. And a banker, you're just like sitting there and crunching numbers and doing post-quantum, post like post-mortem uh, post analysis, basically. And it was just like just not my thing and so I pretty quickly realized I, I needed to get out of there and had no idea what I wanted to do though I was 23 um, mm -hmm. and just really just like wandering around trying to figure out what I wanted to do uh, and typical path after banking is you go to private equity or hedge funds I looked into mm -hmm. that quite extensively and realized that's just like banking 2.0 and I would rather kill myself so mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> My friend was like, you should look into venture capital. And I was like, I have no idea what venture capital is, but I'll look into that. And I did. And I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. And he's like, here, I interviewed at this company and this company. I didn't get the jobs, but you can just try emailing them. Maybe they'll give you, an, uh, give you a, a coffee meeting or something. So I did. And the two firms were G DFJ and A16Z. Mm -hmm. And they both responded because uh, as a college student, one thing I got really good at was sending cold emails. Uh, so I sent Yo, I like your. I, I just want to pause and say I really like your hustle, man. Your story, your backstory sounds a lot like mine. That's very impressive. It explains a lot, but you keep killing it. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> so I did, um, and then DFJ, you know, he really liked me, and I was, I was like, it was like a warm, lukewarm thing. I was like, I was like, I was not in love, but I was like, you know, if I get an offer here, that'd be cool. Um, mm -hmm. And then A16Z, uh, it was a person named Ashwin. He scheduled a meeting with me, but then he canceled it like four times. And then finally, like a month or so later, he finally got me on the books for 30 minutes. And so I was like, I drove up to Menlo Park. I was like an hour early or something. And then um, he was like 15 minutes late to a 30 minute meeting. And we ended up having 15 minutes to chat. And I don't know what I said in those 15 minutes. I swear to God, I don't remember, but like, he was like, all right, I, I don't, it's the first time I'm meeting you, but I want you to interview for us. And I was like, okay. 
I don't know what that means, but like then uh, I started interviewing for them, and their interview process is is pretty pretty exhaustive. And I had like a bunch of phone interviews, bunch of in person interviews. Um, three months later, I get an offer there finally to join the deal team. So that was like a crazy time for me because you know I was like 23 and I had like I didn't even have any idea what venture capital was, but I somehow navigated <laughs> to like the top venture capital firm in the valley <laughs> that's how it's done that's exactly how it works though that's how they all ended up there too yeah so. <laughs> oh that's great so so you worked at coinbase for a little bit too right was that a short stint or, or how long were you there i worked at coinbase for actually less than a year i was only there for like 10 months or so mm-hmm. um and I what was, put, was what put you to like 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 grow out and like kind of leave from there and like go on to where you are now. That's a good question. So I I got into Bitcoin when I was at A16Z actually. Um, Balaji was there. Balaji Srinivasan was working there, and he's like, "Hey, you should read the Bitcoin white paper." I read it. I didn't really get it, and I kind of put it aside. I was just like reading it along, uh, like here and there once in a while whenever there was like news about it. But not really like totally into it. And then we made the investment in Coinbase. And that's when I started to get like really into it because I had to do a lot of research on the company. And then I let, when I left ACCNZ, I taught myself how to code because I, I wanted to become an engineer and wanted to just like be a coder. And I remember going up to, I finished, I finished the boot camp. I did a bunch of coding and I was like ready to get my full time job. And uh, went up to Chris Dixon. I was like, "Hey, I, don't, I need to figure out where to work." And he's like, "He suggested Coinbase," and I applied, got the got the job. The reason I left a little bit early. Okay, so I was there. I can't I can't even say in words how thankful I am for that experience. Coinbase had like some of the earliest people in crypto and some of the most passionate people in crypto. And I honestly, you know, I had a couple of different offers, and it was impossible to turn down Coinbase just because of the amount of passion that the people had there. You know, they they went through like two or three down cycles and were just still so into believing this future of crypto. And I was like, oh, it was, it was such an amazing time to like be with these people who, who totally were in it. Um, and but like at the same time, being Coinbase is a centralized company. And mm-hmm. so what I was doing was like, you know, I was building React apps and doing like JavaScript. I wasn't really doing core crypto stuff. And there was like very little core crypto stuff that you need to do. It's not like Coinbase is building smart contracts, right? Uh, they're building a just a web app that that's facilitates the blockchain transaction. So nothing about it is like crypto native per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like, okay, like I'm at the best crypto company, but I'm not really doing crypto. And that's actually mm-hmm. why I left because I felt like I wanted to get deeper into the space in a more meaningful way. And mm-hmm. I left and uh, I kind of wandered around all of 2017, had no idea what I was really doing, but I was just like learning and writing and teaching. And Your writings are really good, but I've said that to you a lot. And I've seen like some of your videos and stuff when you were teaching yourself how to program and like, you are very cogent and very concise in your writing and very clear and you think and write, you know, like very like similarly and um, definitely, definitely good stuff. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I started writing and then, and honestly, I started to realize that like, you know, that's when the ICO stuff was happening and I wasn't even paying attention to it for a long time. But then I look up and I'm like, holy 
crap like what is going on because like it it just happened in a matter of like three months you blink your eye and you open it and you're just like holy crap and i was just so focused on the technology that i actually wasn't even paying attention to all these token sales like everyone was like it was like mass hysteria and i was like I was like in my little like room, just like coding solidity or something. But like, then I look up and I was like, Jesus Christ. And like, even <laughs> myself got like scammed into a project, like where one of my friends was like, Hey, you should work for this project. And like, it was like, it was so easy to get deceived and like mm -hmm. manipulated. And that like really frustrated me. I was like, what the hell's going on? And mm -hmm. that kind of was like one of the genesis of true story. It was like, just like the, mm -hmm. the the type of discourse that we have online has like completely degraded and it's like really hard to have discourse and conversation about like intellectual topics anymore it's all about like opinions and propaganda and like promotions and it's just like the internet you know the internet when like before it became mainstream was this like place where you can share information and knowledge and that just that's just like doesn't feel like it's the case anymore you know it's just like a bunch of voices who just want to get their like agenda across and I was like, okay, like, and, and that a lot of the times the agenda is even false or like untrue. And mm -hmm. that, that was kind of the genesis of True Story. And that is pretty much what we're doing with True Story. We're building a social network where the core of it is like we're having authentic discussions about claims that we want to make. And um, the, the token incentive, like experts on the platform are incentivized to validate the information and curate the information so that you're seeing high quality information and, and authentic information. Well, before, yeah. before we get more into, um, kind of like true story and what, yeah. uh, what, what is your building? Let's just, uh, I just want to pedal real quick to, you know, um, finding your way into, you know, initially wanting to build something on Ethereum itself and then making the determination that that was like kind of the direction that you wanted to go. Um, can you maybe give us some background on that and then then more so in kind of what you're trying to build specifically with True Story? We're actually not building on Ethereum. <laughs> oh, okay. Excellent. Well, no, no. Well, it, well, yeah. if, well, if not, then please just like sort of like fill, fill us in on kind of your stack and what it is like your, you know, kind of your end game. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm a huge Ethereum fan. Don't get me wrong. Like I, oh, yeah. I wrote that article on Ethereum and I still, I still listen into the dev calls. Like I love what they're doing. I love the team. Um, I evaluated Ethereum very seriously when we were thinking about how to, whether to build on the smart contract that Ethereum has, or the smart contract platform that Ethereum has. And the reality is, like, I realized, like, it's just like it's not going to work for us because we're building a user-facing application where we do expect a lot, a lot of throughput. And like, if Ethereum can't even scale to CryptoKitties, like, I, I don't know, expect how, I don't know how we would use that. Um, and I don't see any of the scalability solutions coming out anytime soon. Like there's all, there's a lot of, in, there's a lot of hype around, you know, all these scalability solutions, but like nothing is actually like shipping. Um, like things that were supposed to ship last year are not even in, in line to ship this year. Like, and so for me, I don't think a viable scalability solution on Ethereum is going to be shipped for another two years. And obviously I can't wait that long. And so, what we're doing is actually we're building, we're using something called the Cosmos SDK. I don't know if you know the Cosmos Tendermint teams. Yeah, very familiar um, with them. Oh, great. And Jaquan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, we're, we're using the Cosmos SDK and we're actually building our own application-specific blockchain. And the beauty of it is like we don't have to reinvent the wheel and build a blockchain from scratch because the SDK gives us all the modules we need to, to plug and play our blockchain. We just build all the core protocol logic that we need for our application. 
And initially, um, our application-specific blockchain will probably have very few validators, like four, like which is the minimum you need to have Byzantine fault tolerance. Um, but like that's enough for MVP. Uh, and then over time, as we actually launch on the mainnet, we'll get more and more validators to start validating our chain. But yeah, we're using Cosmos. How are you gonna How are you gonna go through that process of of adding more validators? I see this as like it's like this. It's like okay, so I see this exactly like this is this is exactly like um, any marketplace, right? Any like for example, Uber. Like, how do they get drivers and and users? Like, which how do they get that balance um, correct? Because do you go for the drivers first or do you go for the users first? Um, that's the same thing here. So with True Story, it's like we want to we're okay with the small set of validators in the early days when it's just MVP and we just want to iterate because like that's the time we're trying to get users and really get like interest in the product. And once we get users and we actually accrue value to the token, then we can convince validators to want to validate our chain. Like it's like a, it's like a, it's like a balance. It's like a balance beam. You got to get the users to, to incentivize the validators to want to validate your chain. Because if, mm. if your chain doesn't have a token that's that valuable yet, like what incentive do the validators have to come in and validate your chain, right? It's like a seesaw. Yeah, my, I got it. And so, oh, go ahead, baby. Yeah, I was going to say, my question is, how do you get that? How do you get that valuation of the token? Um, it has to basically go somewhere. It can't stay completely native to the chain and not be able to be traded for anything else. Otherwise, it has no real no real strong value unless you have like i'm trying to figure out the economics of moving the token around why would someone um have incentives using the token if it has no other use case than inside your app okay yeah well i mean obviously we'll, we'll enable the ability to move the token off our own blockchain yeah, like just not right now yeah um cosmos sdk cosmos has like they definitely allow us to do that it's just that in the early days that's not the point is making sure you get like the the usability of the app, making sure things are functioning properly, uh, and 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 how you've built the I guess algorithms and incentives within the app work appropriately, so that that all works nicely, and you grow your user base, and then eventually that then becomes useful, and people want to buy into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what we had to do at Scent, right? Like we had to like launch like on mainnet and then experiment with so many different like incentive primitives and sort of like what made sense with scale then and like you know in the present that we could eventually like kind of like grow into and it makes sense kind of the direction that Preeti wants to go and also experimenting with that stack is great too because if they can abstract away the complexity and not really have to worry about the 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 politics of like the root chain and stuff like that. I mean, there's more more like like perfectly like many reasons to go that route and kind of I'm I'm my myself, you know, haven't been in this space so long. I'm curious to see what those other alternative stacks can offer the the ecosystem if and when, you know, they can all be interoperable anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very curious to see. Like, I mean, there's so many competing competing smart contract platforms now. There's like um Definity that's trying to do something. There's Polkadot, there's Ethereum, there's Tezo Tezos, like so many. And and I think the reason I chose Cosmos specifically is because like A, like I, I have a pretty good sense of distributed systems now and I really trust like Jake Pons into intuition with the tenement with what he's built in tenement and like he's just a really fucking good architect I realized like after you take a long time looking at Cosmos and Tenement, you're like, geez, like this is actually really well thought out. Um oh, so yeah, very and two, it's like they're the only team that's actually fucking shipped anything. Uh and that's like that's exciting to me and like I feel like I, it's not like I can go and build an application on any other blockchain today, besides Ethereum, of course. But like, 
like it's not like I can build a, a real app on Tezos, like who like or Definity, like Definity is basically all closed source. So like I'm for me it's like if someone's shipping, like that's just that's, that's a good sign, you know. Absolutely. And and, and it, it's I think maybe we'll see more and more people start to start shipping, but there's no developer mindshare around it and there's no tooling. There's no um, all of the extra things you need as a developer to build things on top of these things. And that's I think that's why Ethereum is so popular, because it has all this extra stuff and tooling and and things you can do to give you better guarantees around the security of your app or the development process is quicker. So the pipeline of shipping something is faster. And since yeah. all of these applications or all these other networks don't have these types of things, it's going to be really hard to bring people over those things. Have you, in your experience with Cosmos, how's, how's the developer experience been? The developer experience? Oh my God. It's actually so good. Um, look, it's, it's early days. It's like, it's like building Ruby on rails when Ruby on rails just came out. So like, oh, it's wow. definitely like raw, mm -hmm. but like, it's much better than building. Like personally, I prefer, us building using uh, coding in Go rather than Solidity. So everything that we do is in Golang, and it's like Golang is basically used by the world's biggest company, Google. It's, it's the I, new backend framework. It's just yeah. across the board. I and I trust Google more than I trust Solidity right now. Um, so I like the fact that it's in Go, and like it, it's much more familiar to the developer. So like we just hired a developer who is not in crypto, for example, and he's like. He hasn't spent months learning Solidity or the smart contract platforms. Was he, he was able to just like come in and start coding Go, which I think like, is like incredibly valuable from a developer perspective as well. Um, so we've loved it. And also the Cosmos team has been like incredibly hands-on because we're probably one of the early teams building on them. And they've just been really helpful with anything that we run into and even like sometimes um, prioritizing features that we really, really, really need, which has been like phenomenal. So what would you say some um, kind of general like lessons learned that you've picked up while you've sort of been in this crypto space and now you've gone to like start your own company? I believe this is your, your first company, right? That you've yeah. like been CEO of? Uh, yeah. yeah. So like wh what have you learned as you've been sort of, you know, being in so many different disciplines and like working in so many different environments now and like startups and now being the CEO of your own? What's what's uh, some what's the lesson that you've picked up along the way that's like been important to you or you, you've held to like to yourself that push you where you are right now? Sure. I think if there's one thing I can say, I can say I'm realizing that the older I get and that the more I do, the only thing that matters is one, can you learn? Mm. And two, can you think? Mm. Like if you have those two things, like the world is infinite. Um, like, especially in a startup, like startup is like all about unknown and known and knowns. And like, you have to just like, when, now that I'm an entrepreneur, I know that like the number one thing that matters is like, can you be a learning machine and just like learn, like soak up knowledge, ask the right questions and learn and think. Um, because like, that's the only way that you, you can navigate this like unknown, absolute like, shithole of a territory the interesting thing about what <laughs> you just said is that you can't cheat at them uh yeah you have, you have to do it the only way to get good at doing those things or be, is is to actually do them and gain a, a tremendous amount of experience critically thinking about how you're doing it and it's just you can't cheat at it so you you recognize the people who are capable of it and you and i kind of appreciate it because you know they got there through through sheer hard work exactly exactly oh we uh, we didn't really we didn't really drill down on what true story is like we dabbled 
but we didn't. Like, oh, we really did. Define, we did dabble. Like, we did. We did dabble. What the problem is and, and what true story is. So instead of dabbling, I'd like to get into it. We could. We could probably. We can probably kill two birds with one stone by asking Preeti this. Like, sort of, what is your vision for true story now, and then going forward into the present, and like, sort of, what your what your near term focuses are. My vision is just to is to create a social network to have better online discourse. Mm-hmm. Like that's really what it is. And mm-hmm. we're starting off with the tool of the the tool is that the authenticity part is actually baked into the platform. So like the validation part is baked into the platform. So everything you say naturally has skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not just about like we're not just like another politifact or like Snopes, like where like it's all about fact checking because that's kind of boring. Um, we're about like authentic conversation, like good discourse, and I feel like that's really missing in the world today. Like every every social network I see out there just like gone to shit, um, and it's because like there's no skin in the game. Like there's no skin in the game, and like people can go online and say anything without any consequences, and that's yeah. that's really scary and. Like there's no accountability for any of this, and I really want to change that. So we uh we started. I I remember maybe a year, year and a half ago, um, us three I think actually uh, came up with the idea of doing something very similar. We called it sourced uh, because because mm-hmm. people say whatever they want, and there's no sourcing behind it. And when there isn't, when there is, uh, it's usually bad or it's just irrelevant, and so on and so forth. And it's a very difficult problem to solve. Is is trying to incentivize quality discourse as well as good sourcing and fact checking around that discourse. Uh, especially because the people are very, very, very opinionated in some circumstances and don't have the capabilities of backing that opinion up. So how do you get people, how do you, how do you bring the correct stuff to the surface? Because well, think, while, yeah. while allowing people to try to do it and get better at it, but like not get, not become an echo chamber. Sure. One is like, it's, it's, it's all about the type of content, right? Like, and it's like, how, how, how good of a job do we, do we, do we do building the early community and teaching them on what are the types of content we care about? Like, like there's no point in putting up a claim like Bitcoin is the best cryptocurrency. Like what the fuck does best mean? And like, like you can (laughs) have that argument for, 17 years and never get to a conclusion because like no one can actually that that's very subjective and so like we we are actively gonna like police and be like that's not that that we can actually flag that type of content be like that's not validatable whereas like if you say like bitcoin has four thousand transactions per second throughput or something then like that's an that's an objective claim that someone can actually like have a discussion and discourse about and like try to prove out right um, so that's, that's the way we're tackling it by focusing on the right content and like, and for other types of content, if you want to have like ideological debates about like opinions and subjective stuff, like do that somewhere else, like on Twitter. Oh man, I would love it. We could find a way to get people to come up with objectively verified content. Are you trying to incentivize Yo. good logic? I like it. Yeah. I like, no. Preeti, I like your, I like your, damn, I like the fire. I like that a lot. I hear, I hear a lot of, uh, I hear a lot of like good energy behind like kind of the things that you're saying and your direction and kind of definitely given your history of like how you got here. You're going to do, you're going to do some really incredible things. 
Um, I'll tell you that right now. So I definitely uh, wish you the best of luck with what you're doing with True Story. And, you know, thank you for taking the time to uh, speak with us today and like sort of take time in your busy day on this mission that you have that is definitely grandeur. And, and like many, like I'm sure, like, you know, even us ourselves have seen the, uh, the, the positivity and the potential impact from projects like these, you know, kind of we come coming up with ideas very similar. And, you know, we wish you the best of luck. And, you know, when you have everything out and rolling, you know, please join us back on the show. And fill us in on more on like what you've learned and, and more exciting things that you've discovered on your journey. Appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Preeti. You have a great day. Yeah, yeah, hanging with an actress. But she ain't acting when she on a mattress. Hit it three times one night. That's a hat trick. Yeah, I'm on my last Bud Light. Can't stand with Alcohol in my system, but when I take a shot, I can't miss ya I'm with all my friends and two girls that look like sisters I passed one to Boston, told them that I got him I just wanna feel good, do that shit more often in the Tahoe That's what we did back when we were all in Colorado Now all these people are emptier than all the bottles A Jack Daniels that we handle I can't stand, but I keep